I can't remember everything. I just wish I had remembered something. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Kenny and I often take youth group kids on weekend retreats. Our system is always the same. We pack up what we need. Kenny leaves to get the bus we're going to take. I give him my suitcase, which he loads first into his car, and then later he puts under the bus for me. Then I drive separately in my own car to meet him at church later on. I bring only my backpack and pillow, which I take and put onto the front seat right behind the driver, reserving the seat for myself so I can A, talk to Kenny, and B, so I won't get motion sick. I then get off the bus. I walk back into the church to help check kids in. It's a routine that I remember well, except for once. And I thought today would be a good day to talk about it, because I want to talk about remembering. Today is Memorial Day. For some of you, that might not be news. Some of you may be on vacation, camping, or enjoying a day off of work, spending time with family and friends. Maybe you drove to a cabin or a relative's house or a nearby park. However, there are others of you that might be working today and are frustrated that you aren't camping or picnicking. Some of you, probably not the bank tellers among us, wish the bank was open. Some of you might be frustrated there isn't any mail. What I do know that's true for all of us is this. In the United States, Memorial Day is a national holiday set aside to help us remember. Did you ever wonder when it got started and what we're supposed to be remembering exactly? It's actually a little sketchy as to when this tradition originated because lots of different communities had independently been hosting Memorial Day type gatherings for years and years. I did find, however, that in 1966, the federal government declared that Waterloo, New York, is the official birthplace of Memorial Day. And here's why. Waterloo celebrated the day on May 5th in 1866. It was chosen because its celebration looked most like what followed in other communities thereafter. Waterloo hosted an annual community-wide event. Businesses were closed. All of the residents decorated the soldiers' graves with flowers and flags. Two years later, on May 5th, 1868, General John A. Logan who led an organization for Northern Civil War veterans, called for a nationwide day of remembrance. He said, we're going to have this day later on in this month. And then now I quote, the 30th of May, 1868 is designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion and whose bodies now lie in almost every city, village and hamlet churchyard in the land. May 30th then became known as Decoration Day from that point on. He had picked that date because it wasn't the anniversary of any one battle. On the very first Decoration Day, 
General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery and 5,000 participants decorated the graves of the 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers that were buried there. Many other northern states, as I said, held similar memorial events, and by 1890, each one had made Decoration Day an official state holiday. Southern states, on the other hand, continued to honor their dead on separate days until after World War I. Eventually, Decoration Day morphed to Memorial Day as it was more descriptive of what the celebration entailed remembering the soldiers and honoring those whose lives were lost in war and then showing this remembrance by decorating their graves. This was originally done to honor only those lost while fighting in the Civil War, but after World War I, the holiday evolved to include remembering American military personnel who died, as we now know, who died in all of the wars. For decades, Memorial Day continued to be observed on May 30th, which, right, the day that Logan had to selected because there wasn't a battle specific then. But in 1968, so 100 years later, 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. That's what it's called, the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, which set Memorial Day forever as the last Monday in May. They did this in order to create a three-day weekend for all federal employees. And then the change went into effect in 1971. That same law, the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, not only identified Monday as the day we celebrate, but they also declared that it was a federal holiday. Those are just some fun facts. Here's just a couple more that I'm remembering. Um, Apparently, at 3 o'clock p.m. on Memorial Day, people are called to observe a national moment of remembrance like three o'clock local time. So if you're in New York, it's three. If you're in Seattle, it's three. If you're in Minnesota, three. Whatever time, wherever you are at three o'clock, people observe a national moment of remembrance. The three largest parades on Memorial Day, if you're curious, are in New York, Chicago, and Washington, D.C. Many of these celebrations include a poem written by a surgeon who served in World War I named Lieutenant Colonel John McRae. It was called In Flanders Field. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. In this poem, the surgeon had been inspired by a field of red poppies and by the thought of the fallen soldiers beneath the ground. This poem was published in 1915 and continues to be read at Memorial Day celebrations still. In fact, when we lived in Wilmer and our kids were in high school, the band would play at the local service that they would have there. This poem would be read. Airplanes would fly over, dropping poppies at that time. All of these actions, I remember, combining together um, to help me better understand and better remember um, on Memorial Day. Remembering with actions makes for better remembering. That is a fact. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. (laughs) It also says so in the subject performed task paradigm. What this says is this. People remember better when actions are accompanied with commands. There have been tests have been run that required someone to perform many tasks according to verbal instructions that were given by an experimenter. After some time passed, a memory test was given. And then the subject being studied was asked to remember as many of those instructions as possible. Someone else was given the exact same type of verbal commands, but without an action accompanying it. 
the result was exactly like you would have guessed. You remember better when there's actions accompanied with the command. So on today, Memorial Day, this is why we have this observance of this federal holiday, which helps us remember well our soldiers. As individuals, we can do this too. Maybe we'll pause at three. We can attend a service. We could read a poem. We could write a letter to a family who's lost a loved one. Or we can thank a soldier for their service before they're gone. These are all things, practical things we can do to help us remember on Memorial Day. Because remembering is good. But forgetting is easy to do if we're not careful. Which brings me back to this one youth group trip. One Sunday, Kenny and I were to leave to go on an overnight ski trip with our youth group. I mentioned earlier our routine, remember? <laughs> if you don't, no problem. As you listen, you might recall it. This day, our routine was a little different. Kenny had to leave super, super early to get the bus that day. We had talked the night before about timing and driving and who would be doing what when, and I should have written something down. I should have done a run through. I should have done something instead of just thought something. Kenny had to leave super early because he had to drive to the bus garage, pick up the bus, then drive to church well before the first service started. I too had to leave earlier than than normal because my car was full of the things that we were going to need for the lunches that we were supposed to be packing for um, the kids instead of having to buy some lunch at the chalet because it was so super expensive. Also, I had to play piano that week. And so I needed to get there even earlier. <laughs> My car was full of the things that we were bringing for making our lunches at the chalet. I had cases of water. I had loaves of bread, string cheese, oranges, apples. I had multiple boxes of assorted chips and cookies. I had these gigantic peanut butter jars that when you're trying to get the peanut butter out with a normal knife, your whole hand would go all the way in. I also had normal knives, but I wish I'd had a long spreader, but that's totally not my point. I had jars of multiple kinds of jam and juice boxes. I don't know if I said that already. At any rate, the back of my Ford Escape was full, super full. I had to get to church really early, so I was kind of in a rush. Kenny had to get to church really early. He had already left with a bus. So I got in my car and I drove to church. When I got there, Kenny was already there. The bus was already parked in front of the church, but he wasn't in the bus. He was already inside doing something. So I had to empty my car quickly before the parking lot started filling up with cars and I started blocking traffic. So I also had to get there early because I had to run in quick and practice with the worship team, right? I pulled right next to the bus. I opened up the back of my car and opened up the luggage doors of the bus and just started hauling fast. I grabbed water and juice and bread and fruit and peanut butter and jelly. And I double checked the back of my car and it was empty. And so when it was completely empty, I hopped in, drove it, parked it, ran inside of the church, not to check kids in. Our routine was different. Instead, I ran into the church, ran into the sanctuary, sat down at the piano so I could start playing for worship team. After church was over, I then went to a table, set it up, Got a list, started checking everybody in. Some people were skiing, some were snowboarding, some needed lessons, others didn't need lessons, some needed rentals, others didn't. People were paying all kinds of different amounts of money and saying different things, but I kept track of it all. Steel trap mind. Once everyone was in the bus and accounted for, the leaders met. We went over last minute instructions, we prayed, and then we got on the bus. I knew I wouldn't have time to change clothes between church and loading up just because time was really super short, but we we're just going to go straight to the hotel. So I figured it didn't matter. We got to the hotel 
I ran in with Kenny to get the keys and to go over with the front desk the names of every single person in every single room. I do not even want to know how much time I have spent in my life doing that, standing at a front desk waiting as a clerk goes through every single name in every single room. Suffice it to say, it's been a lot of time. And this, this time was so different. Every single person, every single room. Once we got everybody's keys, we went back to the bus. I went in, stood at the front, called people by name, and handed their keys out. They'd go out the door. Kenny and others were outside making sure everybody was gathering their things and knew what time we were meeting later that evening. Eventually, the bus was empty. Everybody had their keys. I grabbed my backpack and my pillow, and I got out of the bus while Kenny was closing up the luggage doors. I looked around the parking lot for my suitcase. It wasn't there. We opened up the luggage doors and looked under the bus. It wasn't there. I asked Kenny if he remembered where he put it. He reminded me that he left early, super early, and I was still packing, so he didn't take it. As he was saying that, that sounded super familiar, and I was relieved. I'm like, oh, that's right. I remember I had it. I put it in the back seat of my car because there wasn't any room in the back because of all the food. And then I remembered loading all the food onto the bus. I remember looking at the back of my car, noticing it was all empty. But because the back of my car was empty... I never even looked at the seat. Oh my goodness, I realized my suitcase was sitting in the church parking lot on the back seat in my car. So here I was, dressed in my Sunday best for the ski trip with only a pillow and a backpack full of books. I looked at Kenny, I'm like, well, you can't remember everything. I suppose it's better I forgot my suitcase than if I had forgotten all the food. But I didn't believe, <laughs> I didn't believe that. I went into the hotel and I went straight to the front desk where I'd already spent too much time. I asked them if they had things for people to use, if they had forgotten stuff. They said, we absolutely do. What do you need? I said, what do you have? They laughed. Ah. I said, actually, though, seriously, what do you have? They said, well, just tell us. If you name it, we probably have it. I'm like, okay, do you have my suitcase? They didn't. So instead, I walked away with a toothbrush, toothpaste, a tiny deodorant, mouthwash, and a sewing kit. <laughs> I, I didn't need the sewing kit. I don't know what I was going to do with that, but they handed it to me. It was free, and I just took it. I went to my room, dropped off these very important items, and then just started going up and down doors asking people if anybody brought any extra things like mittens or socks or contact solution or a jacket or anything like that, maybe a hat. I ended up with quite a haul. One of my sons was along as a leader that year, and he had a jacket that had a shell as an outer layer, and then like an inside warmer portion of the jacket. So he divided his jacket in half. He kept the outer portion and wore a couple sweaters because he brought enough. And then I wore, had the warmer part of that jacket. I found contact solution in a case. I borrowed someone's wool socks. They were actually better than any socks I would have brought. And then someone else said that they had mittens that I could borrow because they had a terrible hand condition and they always traveled with extra mittens. At this point, I must have paused a little too long, and it must have been obvious that I was thinking and just curious about their condition because then they quickly added, no, 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 my hands just get really cold really easily, so I have to bring extra mittens, and what I have is not contagious. So I got mittens. I got a hat. The only thing I ended up needing to buy were ski pants. I had not that. So I went to the chalet the next day, 
a little bit freaking out because I knew I did not want to spend as much money and I knew that chalet ski pants are going to be more than I normally would buy. So I went right to the clearance rack and found a pair. Um, at first, I almost didn't buy them. They were men's. They were kind of a weird color. And then I realized, wait a second. If two hours later, someone came up to me and said, hey, I have a pair you could borrow that looked just like this. I'd have been like, oh, that's so great. And then I thought, wait, what? Am I going to match an outfit? I don't have an outfit. I was like a closet, <laughs> a little of this and a little of that. So I got the man pants and was just grateful I could ski and be warm. What could be better, right? Well, maybe remembering my suitcase. It's good to remember as I've said earlier. Jesus knew this too. In fact, Jesus knew about the subject perform task paradigm. He knew we would remember better if we accompanied our remembrance with action. In Luke 22, in fact, when Jesus was celebrating Passover with his disciples, he connected the dots for them. They'd been celebrating this event for years, using it to remind them of the Passover, of the, when they left Egypt, the Exodus, and the subsequent journey to the Promised Land. As children, they celebrated this event. They'd eaten unleavened bread before. They've drinking from this cup. They've drank from this cup before. But this time, the ceremonial supper was different. This time, when Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, he gave it to them, saying, "This is my body given for you." Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was connecting this action with something new they were going to need to remember. This Passover meal wasn't just going to be a reminder of the Exodus anymore. And the Passover, Jesus knew what was ahead. And he wanted his disciples to continue to partake in this meal and to remember him. He also knew there were going to be many others who were not Jewish and had not been celebrating this Passover meal their whole lives who would need to remember him. So this Lord's Supper is instituted. Paul says pretty much the same thing when he's writing to the church at Corinth. They've been celebrating. They've been remembering but they'd been messing it up. They were no longer remembering Jesus as they ate and drink. They instead were remembering themselves. They were thinking about themselves. In fact, some were coming to church early and eating too much and drinking too much before the others even got there. This was not something they were doing together in remembrance of Jesus. Some were living their everyday lives as though Christ did not even exist. But then they were partaking anyway, and this was offensive. So Paul said to this church in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 20 to 29, I'm just quoting from scripture here. Paul said, so then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another is getting drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this 
whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Remembering is good. Jesus knew this. Paul knew this. Jesus wants us to remember him and what he has done for us. Why? So we can be reminded of the fact that our sins have been forgiven. So we can be mindful of the fact that God so loves us. He wants us to remember that he paid the penalty for our sin so we don't have to. He wants us to remember that grace covers over our sin and we can walk in freedom, freedom to serve him, freedom to love him, freedom to be in relationship with him. He wants us to remember to live our lives for him. He wants us to proclaim his death until he comes, not in a, whoa, did you hear who died? Jesus died. Bummer, right? No, not like that at all. He wants us to proclaim it like the good news that it is, that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised again, and that Jesus made a way for us to live in relationship with our creator, free from the penalty of sin and free to walk with him in life. We remember the one who died for us and gave his life as a ransom for many. It's easy to forget, but let's remember. Let's choose to remember and let's remember with our actions and let's also proclaim this good news that Jesus Christ has died for us. 